is this? Ah, the French. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm going to I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. Good night, Mr. Winterson. Good night. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Broadcasting from the Ferris Wheel in Smogville, USA at the Smogsville World Fair. It is World Champion Podcast. I am your co-host, Brighton SLC. And I am Sean Black. We're, uh, forgive our tone. We mentioned last week the Toad Roast, the big St. Patrick's Day Fest, the mayoral debate with Zephyr the Pig. Uh, there was, of course, as you know by now, there was the riot. Yeah. 5,000 people showed up to Zephyr the Pig's mayoral rally, which is way more than we anticipated. Yeah, Town Square was a mess. Things got out of control. The anti-Zephyr protesters were there. Mm-hmm. They, Blo- they blocked the, the, the line to the, the, the beer garden. They blocked the line to the beer garden. They tore down the tent. Right. Uh, it was very disastrous. And then, of course, the line to the beer garden. No one's happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're already and, mad because they're in line. Right. If you were there, you probably already know about it. But again, martial law still under effect in Smogville. Yeah. So this is a bulletin for Smogville. For the next 72 hours, we are under martial law. There is no leaving your house after sundown unless you are delivering cornmeal or molasses. And please, if you are delivering cornmeal or molasses, don't forget about us. Yeah, we're, we're, in the, we're in the Ferris wheel. I still have three or four chicken nuggets from last week, but I need something to dip them in. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's getting a little scary. It is. And it, but 72 hours is, is a lot longer than it sounds like. <sighs> Boy. That sounds like a, a quick bit of time, but, but th- yeah. It's rough. It's really rough. For those just joining us. <laughs> <laughs> We're flustered, man. It's it's kind of nerve wracking. I know. I'm trying to think how long. I've got three chicken nuggets. One's got to last me each day. And then you're over here. You still have that turkey leg. Yeah. Well, luckily they brined it, so I imagine that'll it'll last for at least a few days. Right? I hope so. Even though it has been seasonably warm inside this. In fact, this this Ferris wheel has been a little bit like an oven. I got to be honest. Well, it's the tin walls. It's basically picture an airstream trailer on a giant wheel. Yeah. And they and they installed bars. Uh, what's our? <laughs> I forgot our boss's name. <laughs> Don't let him know you forgot his name. I know. I feel he really hates weird. That. Mr. Miss, Pumpernickel. Mr. Pumpernickel. Mr. Pumpernickel. So Mr. Pumpernickel, really as a cost-saving insurance kind of thing, put put bars over the windows too. So it's you can't really crack the windows much. They they'll they'll shimmy a little bit and let a little bit of air in, but otherwise they are they're like a hotel room window. Yeah. It's really rough. And if, if anyone's just joining us, uh, what's happened is we are longtime veteran podcasters. We retired our old show, signed a, what I'm going to call a very bad contract with the Smogville World's Fair to be their official podcast. And that's what's happening. Our topics cover pop culture, the supernatural, and whatever comes to mind. And any dream we've had. A lot of dream topics. Right. Yeah. So. I had so a how dream can people where... send us food? before you start talking about your dreams? Oh, okay, I was ready. May, I know you were ready. I could tell, but we should probably tell them how to get in contact with us to send us food during this this martial law period. Yeah. So any any way to reach us and just let us know when the food's going to be dropped, preferably via parachute. 
uh, worldchampionpodcast at gmail.com, facebook.com, look for World Champion Podcast, or tell me how to change the URL because I can't figure it out. It's in settings somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> Instagram, it's World Champion Pod is the show. Uh, I have a personal Instagram that's codenamed Champion if you like pictures of Star Wars toys. Right, and I have a, a, another Instagram called Bizarro Nostromo. If you like pictures of Sigourney Weaver. Mainly Sigourney Weaver, and, and that's the Nostromo, N-O-S-T-R-O-M-O. And Bizarro And Bizarro is, is B-I-Z-A-R-R-O. People should know how to spell Bizarro and Nostromo if they're fans of if this show. If they're listening, that's a good point. So I'm not too worried. Yeah, that is a really good point. Um, we want to put our toy collections to good use, and we thought, why not have it be a good cause for the show? Yeah. Oh, it is. By the way, every like goes to a good cause. It does. Of making us feel better. We take no likes personally. They all go towards the show. Yeah. So, um, and I think we did get a new software update. So we can, if you are delivering molasses, I think we can get it in the new emails. But I don't, I'm not uh, totally sure how that works. Yeah, we still are waiting for the IT guy to explain okay. this to okay. us. But yeah, that's they true. say that's how it works. All right. Um, then Twitter, Smogville Fair. That's the Fair's Twitter account. The official Fair's Twitter account. Yeah. Um, And that'll have bulletins and updates. It'll probably have some information about this martial law period as well. Yeah. So be on the lookout. Speaking of toys, I have been putting a lot of energy over the last several years to not buying Lego. Okay. Lego's very expensive. Very expensive. And But it makes all sorts of cool stuff. But I don't want to go down that road. That would, be, that would be so bad for it's, me. It's an expensive hobby. Very, very expensive hobby. And, and I we, guess, I didn't realize there's like an investment thing to it, like Beanie Babies. This friend of mine was showing me these old Millennium Falcons the other day going for 1500 bucks. Yeah, they don't lose their value the way a lot of toys do. They appreciate in value. It's kind of incredible. Yeah, because they must be released for just a short amount of time and then you're done. Yeah, I um, But I really, I really didn't want to buy Lego. I like to, every paycheck, I like to maybe set aside about 20 bucks, get myself a little Guga, a little bauble, yeah. some sort little, of little toy. What's it or whatchamacallit? A whatchamacallit, a, a who's it? A, a doodad. A thingamabob. A, uh, uh, <laughs> I just ruined the train. We're on such a roll. Oh, man. <laughs> There's one that Ali always says. Oh, what's it? Oh, never mind. Yeah, but I like to do that. Some sort of plastic avatar. Okay. Of of something and but Lego it's expensive but man I saw the carbon freeze playset from Return of or uh, Empire Strikes Back, pardon me please don't write in I know I was about to just grab you by the throat look we're starving uh, <laughs> the carbon freeze playset which not only is it cool but it comes with an Ugnot mm-hmm. which is I was pretty shocked to see in the in the Instagram photo yeah a freaking Lego Ugnot a Boba Fett who's the coolest one of course. Han Solo and Frozen Han Solo. And it's got this little twisty thing. You put Han in the back of the, the little casing, and then you can flip it down and around, and then he comes back up and he's Frozen Guy. Oh, but lovely. Lego Frozen Guy. That's fun. It's so cool, and I built the thing. First, I just admired it. I bought it and just kind of admired the box for about a week, and then finally wow. built it. Here's a good idea. Um, if you live in a loft where you don't have any doors you can shut... Mm-hmm. Everything's just a big open space, a bedroom upstairs, a living room downstairs. Then you have a curious little orange cat. Then you're spreading 300 Lego pieces out on the table, and you've got this cat who's just incorrigible. Right. He wants to get into everything and think, always wants to help. It's a bad move. I, I think, yeah, I think I see where this is going. So I, th- I was hoping for a nice, relaxing Lego experience, but most of it was, don't eat that! 
Because A, I need it. Right. And B, that's probably not cat food. It's plastic. It's a plastic Boba Fett head. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. I, I do like the idea that you are so hungry from this martial law that you confused Empire Strikes Back for Return of the Jedi. Yeah. In certain er- uh, circles, that is terrifyingly hungry. Yeah, that's what it's called on the on the cycle. Um, if you confuse Empire Strikes Back with Return of the Jedi, that's like step four to... Mm-hmm. to uh, um, to, crisis to, hunger level. Crisis hunger. Crisis level. hunger level. Um, number nine. And, and crisis. Let's get the. Let's clarify this. Crisis level hunger is two to four hours without eating a hamburger. Or right. And this is specifically on the sort of geek culture scale. Okay. This is not medical. This is more of a comic. Yeah, we're, we are not just. To, yeah, we are not medical professionals. Yeah, I mean, no matter, lo- <laughs> no matter what our podcast may say, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, level seven. You think that. Uh, um, the ninth doctor is the best doctor. Oh yeah, that's that gets people really upset. Yeah, no one thinks that. Level nine, when you're really approaching crisis level, is when you're willing to eat an eight dollar piece of pizza at a comic convention. Mm-hmm. That's just sort of been heated up under hot lights. And, and then and then level like uh, seven and a half, I think, is when you can't. Well, you basically think that Sauron has a good point. <laughs> yeah, Sauron was right. You kind of see that that point of view. Yeah, and then level eight and three quarters, you're eating Lego. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Eight and three quarters could be, or is it nine and three quarters? Which is or nine and five eighths? Which is the one? Never mind. This is the which is the Harry Potter uh, uh, platform, train platform? Isn't that nine and five eighths or something? Eight and three know. quarters. What do I look like a nerd? Look how hungry we are. We don't even know <laughs> what like train platform. No. This is this is kind of scary. This if we can't figure out which train platform Harry Potter is on, we need help quick. We need a we need a glass of molasses. I need a big glass of molasses, or I'd even take some of the vinegar. Yeah, at this point I would vinegar. too. I, I turned yeah. it away earlier. I feel dumb now. Yeah. Oh boy. But right. uh, anyway, Lego very relaxing, and now I'm I'm sort of in. I don't want to be. I do need to get Ray's little car from Jakku. You know oh, how the, Ray was the, driving around in that yeah. big brick-looking thing. It was yeah, kind of neat-looking speeder thing. I need that, and I think I'm going to get Captain Cold versus the Flash. Oh, They're in yeah. these little, these little like Mario Kart-looking things, and Captain Cold has a big snow cone or something. Oh yeah, I saw that. It's really cool. So I might, I might be a Lego guy. But they but pulled I, you back in, maybe. I guess it's bad. I've been on the Marvel Legends thing. Oh, that's even that's also not particularly it's, cheap. It's not cheap and and this weekend I went out into the wild to find Spider Gwen. I thought, why not? Give it a shot. Yeah. Cuz Spider Gwen on the secondary market is is $50. Mhm. So now there was n- no luck. The yeah. entire the entire <laughs> I don't I don't know the the Marvel Legends scene, but it's like entire rows of just the characters you absolutely it will be like like miscellaneous Hydra agent. It's like Hydra agent, Claw. Yeah, Claw. There's always Claw absorb. You know, villains that haven't even been in a comic book in 30 years. Mm-hmm. And plenty of those. And then, like, Iron Man in blue armor. Iron Man in yeah. reddish like, armor. Like uh, Colorado skiing Iron Man. Yeah, tons of different Iron Mans. Do you remember in the early 90s when Batman was pretty much everything? Oh, yeah, like Scuba Man Batman. There, yeah, there was, like, Scuba, Scuba Gear Batman, Hang Glider Batman. Yeah. It's, he just does it all. Well, that's how what they did with G.I. Joe, because he became the action man, because he mm-hmm. was a soldier, and then 
during Vietnam, it was a little too controversial to have soldiers, so he just became the adventure man. So he was rock climbing and exploring the desert. Wearing fatigues, though? Did he no, look like G.I. Joe? I mean, it was the same doll, those 12-inch dolls with the hair and the kung fu grip, but mm-hmm. he'd be wearing, I don't like know. Like a Hawaiian shirt? Yeah, a Hawaiian shirt and a hard hat <laughs> and have uh, an axe, and he'd be like chopping wood, Joe, or... Motorcycle bad boy Joe. <laughs> Motorcycle bad boy Joe. Native American chief Joe. Sailor okay. Joe. I gotcha. Yeah. Biker. Exactly. All right. Um, so, well, let's keep on this track. You've finally finished reading Secret Wars. Yes. That's a Marvel comic book that <laughs> finished up who knows when. It, it only finished up, I think, in December. I was okay. waiting for the hardcover because it just... These things can get expensive, and sometimes it's better. I've been trying to trade weight, which I've never really done. And trade weighting means instead of buying the monthly issues, the floppy issues, you wait until they're all collected and then just buy them all in one nice little book. Which is awesome in some ways because you have this awesome book that looks great on the shelf, but it's also kind of crappy because it, you could be waiting a couple months. You could be waiting eight months you know, or a year. Yeah, if you want to stay au courant on the comic book discussion scene... Do you know what's weird, though? Uh, is you've got to pick them up every Wednesday. Yeah, but I don't, I don't need to do that anymore now that we've stopped doing Fight for Comics. Exactly. But I still have that weird thing in the back of my head that I've got to somehow be current. And that's... I, I could wait. I could be a year behind. For, you know, it doesn't matter, but I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, Secret Wars was basically the end of the 616 universe and a way to kind of reboot Marvel. And it was ri- written by Jonathan Hickman, who is who's... For me, he's he did a really fantastic, fantastic four run, right? <laughs> it was fantastic. It was fantastic. And in a lot of ways, this, even though he wrote Avengers and, and, and New Avengers and some others, he wrote S.H.I.E.L.D. What else did he write? Did he write? He wrote, yeah, he wrote S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. which, which I think is really funny because it's so strange. And, and then Hydra just took over. Yeah. After that long history, <laughs> it's gone back for like thousands of years. And yeah. then Hydra just took it over. But in a lot of ways, this Secret Wars event, which ends the universe, feels like the end of the Fantastic Four run he started, you know, like eight years ago or whatever. Because it's a very Fantastic Four-centric story, which makes sense. It being the end of the Marvel Universe, you're going to go with the first family of the Marvel Universe and mm-hmm. kind of what kick-started the, the, the universe we know now. Mm-hmm. So... The, the, all the multiverse, all the different parallel realities and Earths have been destroyed. And in the last second where everything was, all the worlds were blowing up, Doom was able to take the power from, I think they're the Beyonders. Dr. Doom, Victor Von Doom. Yeah, he, him and Molecule Man and Dr. Strange together did it. Yes, yeah. yes, perfect. You, you, have you read it? Read I read, part the, of first, it. read, the, first I read like part the first five and then... It, had such a weird release schedule, and then I just yeah didn't there were there was long there was long pauses, but they so they steal the power of the Beyonders right at the second the universe is ending, all the universes are ending, and Doctor Doom decides to, to become God basically. Yeah, so he takes the tiny bit of of what's left of all the multiverses and makes one planet called Battle World, which each region is a different Earth. So there'll be one reality where there's all Incredible Hulks, yeah. and, and one one area that's that's you know Ultron running the future, and it's like Terminator, yeah. where all the humans are dead basically, and and, and so I was able to take some of the cool uh, Elseworlds type stuff, which I love, and that was kind of an argument on our last show is 
uh, one of our former co-hosts does not really like that alternative universe stuff. I love it. And I eat that up, you know. Oh, what if what if Spider-Man was a British paratrooper in yeah. 1940s? Oh, I'm in. Yeah, I, I really love Spider-Man. What if it was Batman in the Old West? Anything like mm-hmm. that, I'm totally into. Yes. And, that's, and that this had a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a lot. Of, it had Old Man Logan, which was a story I loved about Wolverine in the future. Yeah. And, and so Doom's police force are all Thors from all the different realities. So the whole police force are these, these Vikings. Yeah. And in between, and then around the entire area is the shield, called the shield. And then there are these, like, I don't even know how to describe them. He said it's like pits in between the, the territories that are filled with Marvel zombies. Yeah. And like, and like the symbiotes, like the Venom symbiotes and stuff. Monsters, essentially. Monsters, yeah. essentially. So you finished it, though. Is it just what's the, what's the verdict? I really liked it. I, yeah. I didn't know where it was going. I, it feels, like I said, it, if, you li- if you've read all the Fantastic Four stuff of Jonathan Hickman, it re- and I'm sure the Avengers stuff, which I haven't read, but of course the Avengers is going to lead into this. Yeah. But it really, since it so much focuses on... on uh, the the Fantastic Four characters, specifically Mister Fantastic and and uh, and Susan Storm, I guess it's is it Susan Richards? I guess does she go by Storm? I think so. I don't think she ever went by Richards. It's probably just a big hassle. Yeah, I have, I have a few friends that are married and they didn't take their husbands' names. So anyway, um, I I was just. I just lost my train of thought because I was thinking in Game of Thrones, Susan Storm would probably be uh, a bastard. Storm? From a certain area. There, yeah, Storm from the, from the Stormlands, right? Is that actually one? Is Storm really, like, would Susan Storm really be the name of a... Uh... I think the bastard name from the Stormlands is Storm. Huh. Stormlands is where the Baratheons rule. Mm-hmm. Storm's End, the... We haven't, in the books or show, we've never really been to the Stormlands. I really want to know what they're like. They sound cool. I picture, like, Bavaria... You know, the symbol is the stag. It's supposed to be rainy all the time. I'm picturing, like... Where is it located? Beowulf-type stuff. Where is it located on the, on the... I think it's southwest of King's Landing. Or southeast of King's Landing. Southeast. Okay. Or maybe it's northeast. It's near... It borders King's Landing. Is that the castle Daenerys was born in? Was she born... Well, she was born on Dragonstone, which is an island. Where was that's she... That's also part of Where was the... she hidden, though? Hidden away. Yeah, in Dragonstone. In Dragonstone? And that's an island that's also... Okay. Yeah. Well, why is she called Stormborn, then? Because she was born during a storm. Oh, okay. I thought it was more connected to the Stormlands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so it really focuses on, on the Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom. And it kind of... It kind of ties up everything he's written. He could he could retire from Marvel now. Maybe he, he has. He has. Did yeah. he? Did he? Yeah. Okay. Well, and there's a great story called Secret Wars Two T O O. It was mm-hmm. this anthology, and it had a story about the writer Jonathan Hickman really? presenting this idea to Marvel, and the editor's like, "All right, that's it. We're canceling every book. We're rebooting this. You've done it again, Johnny Boy. Don't let us down." Is that and true? Then, and then Thought Bubble. I don't have an ending. Oh, that's there, right. And he's going, I don't have an ending. I don't have an ending. And then he's vomiting and hallucinates Dr. Doom, telling him, like, you better not screw this up. And then the series came out way later than it should because he didn't have an ending. Well, the end, it, feels, it feels like he found one. If you're reading it, it doesn't feel like suddenly it goes off the rails at the end. It feels like a logical ending, and it really 
In fact, I'm kind of surprised he didn't have if if he didn't have this ending thought out. It's kind of got a beautiful ending, and I, I'm I'm totally at peace with the Marvel universe now being over, and the new one, what it what it is, you know, yeah. which is just just random characters they wanted to use from all the universes in one universe. Well, and now in my head, uh, the Marvel universe is takes place in the Game of Thrones universe, and I I enjoy thinking of it that way. All right. Stark, Tony Stark, and Eddard Stark. Oh, my gosh. So Stark's a Northman. Sue Storm's a bastard of the North. I've always thought that would be so interesting is to take, like, Middle Earth, but if they finally, if they were, like, in our day and age. Oh, okay. So Because in fantasy novels, the history just pauses at a certain point. Mm-hmm. You, know, you always read that, like, for tens of thousands of years, we've guarded this castle. And it's, you think... In tens of thousands of years, you couldn't come up with a better idea than a big blocky castle. Yeah, you haven't you haven't got any any kind of machine guns or jets or anything. Yeah, cars or so. Take take Lord of the Rings, but put it in like 2016, and give them cars and subways. But there's still goblins and orcs and hobbits and elves and wizardry. That's kind of what heavy be metal kind of does interesting. a little bit. Heavy metal, the music? No, the uh, the com- the musical genre, <laughs> the evil devil music. Yes, they talk about goblins having jobs. That's a devil's idea. <laughs> Goblin having a tie. Yeah, the the idea of an orc on the subway. That's a devil thought. That's what Sauron <laughs> wants you to think. You're starting to. You're so hungry. You're starting to think Sauron has a point. It's a good. That's true. A point that orcs should be allowed on the subway. I wonder, it would be funny to, to read The Lord of the Rings from Sauron's point of view. Especially if he, if he just thought, if it's written like the uh, humans and the elves are the villains. Yeah. So it's like, all I want is clean water from Mordor. And I just <laughs> needed help. Yeah. And, and they won't, you know, they just kill us on sight. We open the gate to, to try to get our, our relief aid in and they attack us. Every time. Every Every time. time. They encroach upon our lands. Yeah. There we had to, build, had to build a wall just to protect ourselves from, yeah. from outside. And a giant, get a giant spider to guard one of the passes. We're so terrified of these humans. I'm the only one given spiders jobs. Yeah. The only one, these orcs would be on the streets if I wasn't giving them a job. He's creating jobs. The men have never given jobs to giant spiders, ever. Or, think... or employed those flying ringwraiths. Yeah. They said they were unemployable. A ring wraith. Yeah, because they all they can do is screech and not really be corporeal. And the, yeah, they're sort of in another realm, in another reality. But that's kind of discrimination. That doesn't mean they can't answer phones. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's so it's fun to think about not only the... Uh, let's take it one step further. So Middle Earth is modern. But if you read Marvel comics, they take place in, in Manhattan. They take place in the real Earth. So that oh, means yeah. the Marvel Universe could also take place in modern-day Middle Earth. So whatever you would consider Manhattan of Middle Earth, which is what? Gondor. Gondor. I was thinking Gondor as yeah. well. But so I'm not talking Middle Earth. I'm talking Game of Thrones. Oh, did, we, did I switch halfway through? I, we might have. It might have happened. Okay, even Game of Thrones. Even modern-day Game of Thrones. It does, you can do, take it in that one, too. Yeah. And so that would be, New York would be King's Landing then, right? Yeah, it would have to be. That means in that universe, in modern day King's Landing, there is a Spider-Man who's upsetting some, some reporter. So not reporter, some uh, newspaper some guy. Some newspaper man. The newspaper yeah. guy for King's Landing, the King's Landing bugle, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> has got this really angry, angry guy 
who hates Sp- the Spider-Man, the, the Avenger that's going around the city stealing loaves of bread for poor people and <laughs> whatever else Spider-Man would do in King's Landing. Yeah. So, so there, think about that. Yeah, I will. You think about that, too. We've thought about it. Speaking of Marvel Comics, Daredevil Season 2 just debuted on Netflix. Mm-hmm, true. Debuted uh, about 24 hours ago. I'm not finished watching it yet because I'm not insane. I know, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say I haven't finished it as well. But that, but that shame must be an inkling of insanity, right? I think so. Yeah, it's it's on the psychopath test. It's not good. Do you watch when a new season drops on Netflix? Do you watch them all in one day? It's too much, yeah. man. And I'm just kidding. If anyone out there's done that, more power to you. It's just too much. And I we, like I like having a show when I have an hour free time, thinking, oh, cool, I'll watch Daredevil. I also like to have a time to think. Uh, one thing I've learned from serialized comics and serialized TV, if you're watching it in in real time live, is that you have a week to think about the characters and think about the situation. And it's kind of a nice thing. You watch 13 hours straight and you're like, I can't remember almost any of it. Yeah. Now the, the season one of daredevil, we watched it in about a little less than a week and the same thing. They just blended together. Mm-hmm. I was sick to death of another ninja fight, even though the fights are awesome. Yeah. And so well choreographed, it was like, okay, another ninja fight. Now daredevil's at home and he's bloody and someone's concerned about him. Did this, did I just see this three hours ago? Yeah. And last hour and the hour before that, going insane. Yeah, so season two, things haven't changed much. Yeah. there It's still, I, I was kind of surprised how Foggy's not taking it really well that he's Daredevil. I thought we were past that. Yeah. That he's a little bit over it. Like, okay, I get it, you're Daredevil. But, but like, right out of the gates, Foggy is complaining, you're going to get yourself killed. You, and- you can't keep doing this, Matt. And we're both on the same place, right? We've made it through five episodes. I yeah, think. five yeah. episodes. Yeah, I did like uh, that they're trying to cover up Daredevil's vigilanteism by saying he has a drinking problem. I, no, I didn't catch that. I, I saw you you were texting that. Yeah. At what part is that? It, it's the very first scene when Matt and Foggy are walking down the street, and and then Foggy's like, oh, you're bleeding again. And he goes, well, what did you tell Karen? And he says, I tell Karen you have a drinking problem. Oh. And then later, Karen comes over, and there's broken glass, and he's... Oh, that's right. And she's like, <laughs> you know, this keeps happening. Oh, you fell down the stairs. You walked into a wall. You had another accident and can't come into work. I wasn't sure what miss, she was implying You missed 50% of our time at work. And wow. then, yeah, and she says, when you're ready for help. Um, okay. Another thing I like is when they were walking down the street, some random guy goes like, hey, looking good, Foggy. <laughs> I love that idea of New York City because that's, that's kind of a cliche in New York City movies yeah, for some it, reason. it's like the biggest little town in the world yeah, or something. Yeah, because it happens in Seinfeld, too. Everyone's like, yo, Kramer! Yeah. Whenever Kramer's just walking around, you hear some off-camera voice say, hey, what's up, Kramer? Well, he has, Foggy has lived his entire life there and, and, you know, and worked there. Maybe people are saying hi to you if you live there your whole life. Yeah, that's true, and that's something we talked about is how this show makes Hell's Kitchen seem like it's a city. Yeah. And, you know, they talk like as though they have their own police force. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, there, there was a time where every judge in Hell's Kitchen was in our pocket. And, and, that, Hel- and that's two judges, right? Hell's Kitchen is about, it's like less than one square mile. Now, of course, Manhattan's very dense, so it's built up. I mean, one square mile here in Smogville is like four goats. Yeah, and, it's a lot of wheat. And ten people and, and just wheat barrels. Basically, yeah. But in New York, that's but it's about, I think I looked it up, the population's about 50,000, which is a very small time. It makes it, it, yeah. it does make it way more doable to be 
Daredevil, though. Yeah. You think about what he does. So you have worked eight hours a day, and then you're going to go home, have dinner, and then you're going to go out all night. And you're not just going out. You are jumping between roofs yeah. of buildings. And the thing I was thinking about is at a certain point, you can't jump through every roof, right? There's going to be yeah. some portion of the night where you're, if you're just walking down the street eating a corn dog, you're going to see a guy in red just running as fast <laughs> as they can ac- across a parking lot. And you're yeah. going to be like, huh, yeah. that's weird. Is that that Daredevil guy? That guy that's squatting behind that, that old car in the parking lot? <laughs> I love that because there's the roof. He just finally found an open space. Yeah, I kept thinking yeah. about that. Eventually, you're gonna have to go into the park or something. Yeah, what if he has to cut through the park? Is he just walking through? He's the just trees? running. There's He's people. running between bushes. He's like hiding underneath one of those horse-drawn carriages. Yeah, <laughs> running then running between bushes, ducking behind a rock. And I like to think of it as as he thinking he's being really sneaky because he's blind. But then someone just watching him, like, do you see that guy darting between trees? <laughs> yeah, and then squatting down in the bushes. I don't know. He, did, rocks. he just did a cartwheel between those rocks. He just ran around the duck pond. Yeah. And there's going to be areas where there's no trees or bushes. Yeah. So he's just going to be... The big sp- field where you go lay out or play volleyball. Yeah. He's going to be sprinting across this field. <laughs> Doing random tumbles for no reason. <laughs> random are, somersaults. People are having a picnic, and they just see a guy running as fast as he can in red leather <laughs> to this big open space. <laughs> so for you to tell me that Hell's Kitchen is actually really small makes... Daredevil more believable because I That's kept true, yeah. I kept thinking about this. Yeah, like you're gonna find him running down a flight of stairs in one of the buildings to get to the roof or down from the roof. <laughs> yeah, well, that was addressed in the show too when he's missing and then Foggy has to get, just go up on a bunch of rooftops. I know, like four in a row. Like, okay, is he on this roof? <laughs> oh, okay, next. <laughs> and he finds him on a rooftop. <laughs> yeah, on the, like the third rooftop. That's where he is. So. So yeah, I, I it makes it real life to think of a small area, and that makes it also like you you could go out patrolling for an hour. It's not yeah. just an, like because I always picture Batman going out just for a full shift, like an, like until dawn, ten p.m. Yeah. to dawn, you know. Yeah. But Daredevil potentially could just go out for half hour and do a couple flips between roofs and then go home. Yeah. And then sleep in his, you know, sleep deprivation tank or, or whatever. Oh, I think that's only in the Ben Affleck that's one. Just ben yeah, Affleck. I don't think this new one has the sleep deprivation tank, but but it makes sense. Uh, yeah, and what if there, you know, what if there's a crime in the meatpacking district, which is four blocks south? Well, I mean, but it, he's like, no, no, that's that's gladiators territory. Well, also just just if you think about the logistics of if he's picking up the crime, it's either through listening to the police radio or his radar hearing or something is so good he can hear it from a few blocks but i mean if there's a if there's someone robbing a store he's gonna have to still run there yeah it's gonna take him like a half an hour <laughs> yeah and when he gets there the the he'll you know do a flip in do a backflip, and then he'll just they'll just be the owner with a gunshot wound to his stomach passed out yeah like oh he was shot 44 minutes ago <laughs> i should have just called an ambulance instead of running through that field <laughs> running as fast as i could and then i had to run down the freeway at that one part just the side of the freeway <laughs> yeah west side highway just cruising along yeah. so so yeah i don't know i thought think about daredevil a lot <laughs> yeah well i'm a i'm a huge daredevil fan he's easily my favorite superhero i'm really pleased with this season it's got some problems that and that's another thing about binge, binge watching is it's much easier to pick up on the bad things and then yeah. kind of harp on them. We were talking to our friend about that. 
yeah. uh, who's also a huge Daredevil fan. And when you watch five episodes in five hours, you're noticing more of these little things that are nagging at you that you wouldn't notice just yeah. watching once a week, I don't think. There were some tiny things about Punisher that were really kind of getting on my my radar that was like, oh, I don't know if Frank would act this way. Oh, see, and I'm not a very big fan of Punisher, the comic book character, but I think John Bernthal's performance is just outstanding. He's good. I'm like, so I find him so compelling. But you know how it is to be to be a, a little bit of a nerd. Is is you're finding nitpicky no, things? You have nitpicky things. Yeah, no, the totally. things that are bo- bothering me are tiny little things. Yeah, he wouldn't. I don't think P- Punisher would have opened fire in the in the hospital with people that aren't criminals. Okay, yeah, that was. Just you can, scary. You can argue that he's he knows exactly who he's shooting and stuff, but I just yeah. don't think he would do that. Yeah. And then when he pulled a gun on that on that the guy, the landlord guy behind the door. Yeah. I was like, ah, I don't think Punisher would do that. But but he even said that was for Daredevil. Anyways, I don't want to get into too specific things about it, but just yeah. I I'm, I haven't passed judgment yet because my, I'm trying to get past my nitpicky things about. About the characters. Daredevil, this takes place in a weird world where it's much more realistic than Marvel stuff. And it's mm-hmm. super gory. Holy shit. Drilling, blowing faces off and drilling into yeah. feet. Yeah. Was, was last inc- season I don't this think gory? it was this gory. It's pretty gory. Yeah. I and mean, you see a guy get shotgunned to the face and you see his face get blown off. And, you know, it's like, ah, oh, comic books, people. I know. Not that I think it should be silly and lighthearted. I like the grit, but it's just, I don't know. It just makes me squeamish. Yeah, I agree. But it's a it's a strange world because this is a lot more realistic than Thor. You know, there's no all other realms and aliens and stuff like that. But it's still unrealistic because it's a superhero story. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to find that balance of, I mean, just inherently it has to be fantastical and silly because it's a man dressed like the devil kicking people. Right. But it's much more realistic than the other stuff. and but So it kind of makes the unrealistic things stand out more by making it realistic. Maybe that's what it is. Because you're seeing this gritty police tale, mm-hmm. urban crime tale, and then, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm articulating that, but you know what I mean. I think you are, because the scenes that are silly seem extra silly. Yeah. Because because up to that point, it had been kind of a grounded, gritty police show. Yeah. And then suddenly, there's a silly argument between two people in their underwear, basically. Yeah, yeah. And Daredevil, I mean, that was the thing, too, is they're just not really doing his blindness I mean, yeah. Like our like our friend was saying when we were chatting was, I just at least show him like feeling around for something, like he might as well not be blind. He just I grabs for, everything. I forget he's blind for yeah. for long stretches of the show. Yeah, that, that never comes up as any kind of disadvantage. And in the comics, you know, they they cheat that with his super senses and his little sonar. Right. But every once in a while, there's something where his being blind is a problem, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. But now, I mean, he's going and picking up bullets out of crime scenes. Yeah, just walking straight to it, finding the tiniest of little things. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm trying to decide how sensitive his senses are. I'm doing all this, this mental acrobatics in my head, trying to justify things or yeah. explain things away. Yeah, I'm like, no, his smell is so acute. I was thinking, in order to be able to jump between these buildings, which he does a lot of, you you would have to be your your senses would have to be accurate enough that you could grab one little, you know, ha- like a step on a on a ladder, on like a fire escape ladder. You have to hit yeah. that flagpole just right to do a flip off it. Yeah. So he, he would have to, in my head, my rationalization is they would have to be that, that, that specific and accurate. Yeah. But I don't know. It is, it is a show about a cartoon man. <laughs> That's exactly it. 
I don't have much to say about Electra. I've seen a couple episodes with her in it. And she kind of gets on my nerves, which she's supposed to. She's mm-hmm. supposed to be a character that gets on your nerves. She certainly gets on Matt's nerves, but... I yeah, I haven't passed judgment yet. I'm, I've got to wait till I've seen more of it. I've, like, like you said, we've only seen the first five. Yeah. Well, really quickly, speaking of things that start with D that are TV shows, mm-hmm. uh, Degrassi Junior High episode censored. And again, this is on YouTube. So here's where we're at. Spike is pregnant. We know this. Spike has crazy hair. Uh, Caitlin is like kind of a cool, pretty girl, but she's also smart. So Caitlin works for the school paper. Over here is that they want Spike kicked out of school because it sends the wrong message. What, just being, being pregnant, pregnant? Being pregnant sends the wrong message. What is the message we're going that for? It, that it's okay to be pregnant. That's a weird kind of thing to think about because what is the message exactly of life? Seems right. like that's maybe the only point of existing is to have a kid. It kind of, if you really want to strip everything away, it is. So, like, in if a, you want to look in at it in a very of, biological way, yeah, in in the sense of humanity, it's not really sending the wrong message. It's sending the only message. It's literally the most natural thing that can happen, <laughs> and perhaps the most common thing in the history of mankind is to be pregnant. That's true. Yeah. So, so let's get her out of the school. Yeah. So let's get her out of the school, Caitlin. Uh, she has a story due. So she writes about this, about how they want to kick out Spike, and the school paper refuses to publish it. Whoa. Now, you were in junior high. You maybe have dealt with this. I, I, this felt really uh, hit home to me because I felt like the same thing happened at my junior high, where these kids are first learning about sort of like politics and activism. And, and when you're a kid, uh, like you know, a punk-ass teenager trying to be socially conscious, the worst things imaginable, imaginable are censorship and hypocrisy. Yes. Like, those are your causes. <laughs> is like Very broad. Very broad, but, like, the, the worst thing you can be is a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like a legal thing. Yeah. Like, if you catch someone being a hypocrite, you almost point it out like, aha, yeah. case closed. I accuse you, sir. Yeah. When you I was- said not to drink, and I saw you drinking. Hypocrite! <laughs> um, I... I, when I was in seventh or eighth grade, we had, for some reason, our school walked out to protest something, all the students, yeah. on, the, on a Friday, and I don't know what we were protesting, but I, I was so happy to leave school, Yeah, and it was like, and it was over some kind of outrage. I wish I could remember. The outrage at my school was that they decided the outgoing ninth graders wouldn't get to vote in the student body elections. The logic being, well, they're going to not be in this school next year. So why should the ninth graders pick the class president when they won't be their constituents? That seems like a pretty pretty solid logic to me. But then should you let the incoming sixth graders vote? Uh, maybe maybe that is I don't a know. Bad, bad idea. I didn't really care, but a friend of mine distributed flyers. Really? Uh, like pamphlets. He became a pamphleteer. When you hear about the Revolutionary War, it's like, oh, Adam Smith was a pamphleteer, which was an occupation he could have, I guess. And this is a modern-day junior high version. Yeah, of being a pamphleteer. And, and it ended with, like, in the words of John Lennon, power to the people. <laughs> and he was trying to distribute these and trying wow. to get this protest, this walkout. And I think the school actually eventually relented. But I don't think that's because of the pamphlets. I think they just did. Because they, they just didn't care. Yeah. That's what just, it was. They were the principal, like, was, principal like, was like, oh, you okay, sure. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah. It probably wasn't even that much. It probably yeah. just like, that's fine. Yeah. So, oh, that's it? 
Okay, I can go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, that's fine. Let's vote. Everybody votes. So, so in Degrassi, Caitlin, uh, they would not publish her story, censorship. So she, censorship. She self-published it and distributed it throughout the hallways. Extra, mm. extra, read what they're trying to do to Spike. She made her own newspaper or just her story? Yeah, she made her own newspaper with that, just that story in it. That's it. There's so no. she was a pamphleteer. She made a pamphlet. She made a pamphlet. Yeah. I bet there's a pamphleteer run around Smogville somewhere. Oh, they're, they're, We're going to have to investigate that. Well, I, the think, lockdowns I think that's part of the martial laws. They're passing out things explaining about the situation with the pig. Yeah. And the riot at, at the toad roast. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. Um, now, here's the thing Caitlin neglected to do. So she passes it out. Um, she gets detention. Everyone's telling her what a hero she is for bringing this to light. She's like Gandhi. She's like Gandhi. Well, she did not run any of this past Spike. Oh. Yeah. So Spike is pissed. You know, I don't want to be your cause. I, I already feel like a freak. I don't want to be the, I don't want to draw even more attention to myself. Yeah. I don't want to leave the school, but if that happens, you know, I'm not going to try to make this big thing about it because I feel kind of bad being a 14 year old pregnant girl. So that's where our episode ends is right before, it's a kind of a cliffhanger. It's before the hearing, the PTA hearing, to see whether or not she gets kicked out of school. You know, I was just thinking, what, it just kind of ends on a freeze frame, and no one, and of course, Shane takes two to get pregnant. That's true. No it's one, a, no it's one's a taking Shane street. out of school. That's right. This sounds hypocritical. Uh-huh. It does. Yeah. So, I, I just, it, it made me think that, like, journalism is the worst, right? We yeah. all agree on that, right? This, I, this girl that was already pregnant, her, her whole life is made even worse by someone using her as a cause, yeah, and writing about it. Mm-hmm. I often think about the people on Dateline that refuse to be on it, but then they interview their neighbor. Oh, yeah. So you have some crazy, cr- crazy neighbor. And we all ha- everyone has a neighbor who is the last person you would want representing you. Oh, gosh, yeah. But they're going on t- national television to say, like, he always did seem like he was doing something weird on Sunday nights. <laughs> so I'm usually in my backyard smoking meat, and then I, hear- I heard things over the fence usually. Oh, yeah, women all day and night, all co- they're coming and going. And then you're just like, no, this is... And then at the end, you're like, oh, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong house. You know, and then... This, so this is like the person representing you on national television. I love this voice. It's somewhere between Ralph and Kermit. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, and also they're, they're putting this story together backwards. Mm-hmm. So their neighbor gets arrested, and now all the evidence fits that. Right. It's not like they saw this. Oh, there's... I don't recognize that girl going in the front door. Yeah. Uh, what's all that banging? You don't think that means anything. And then he gets arrested, and suddenly... He's just made this narrative in his head explaining everything about his life. He's always getting packages delivered. Yeah. Little do- he doesn't know I collect toys. Yeah. You know, we've, we've been talking about... We made an Instagram to show off photographs of our be- beloved toys. Yeah. To our neighbor, it's packages coming. Day and night, more packages. What's in those packages? What's in them? I, I, I shudder to think. <laughs> There's a great Tom Waits song called What's He Building in There? Mm-hmm. And it's Tom Waits, who already sounds creepy. He sounds pretty much like my neighbor. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it is, is he's just narrating it. There's just kind of ambient sounds, and he's going, what's he building in there? I think I've heard that, actually. And he, at one point he says, he subscribes to those magazines. <laughs> what is he building in there. I've heard that for sure. Yeah, it's really cool, but it's on that on that note. 
Um, the subplot of this episode's really great. Um, Joey Jeremiah, Wheels, and, and the buddy, the guys in the band, in their locker room, have pasted up a bunch of pinups. And, and then what, this band is called Pimple... Uh, Zit Remedy. Zit Remedy. Yeah. So the guys in Zit Remedy have, in Joey Jeremiah's locker, pasted up all these babes, and the you know, perfect 80s babes. Mm-hmm. With weird high waisted swimsuits, and, it's always and the big the, curly hair. It's always the high waisted swimsuits. It is weird that it bikini goes from, bottoms went up above your navel. It was. It's like cro- touching your crotch and also touching your armpits. Yeah. So all that, and they're just blatantly in class or in the middle of school, like, "Oh, she's a nine point five. <laughs> and one of them points out that all their names end with "I," because they're like, "Oh, candies. I prefer blondes. I like Marcy," <laughs> and just totally horn dogging over these girls, and they're. So then these other girls go by and think, oh, that's really sexist and offensive and not allowed. Right. So they report to the principal. The principal doesn't take any action. So they put up, uh, like, beefcake pictures in their locker. which, oh, which to contango. Yeah, which gets to my favorite line of this whole series, maybe, which is, hey, Joey, great pecs, eh? <laughs> As they show this, be- this muscle man that they've hung up in the locker. So they both get in trouble and have to take him down, and then Joey pastes them in his folder and is just going around showing girls, like, hey, look at this, <laughs> look at this, and opening up his folder full of these, these panty babes. It's a little creepy, actually. It's super creepy. It's, it's, you, can't, you can't do that. He is crossing a line. And I think that's when you, when you get a new job and watch the sexual harassment video. Yeah. That's one of the things is you don't call a lady over and go, check out those knockers and show her an image on your computer or whatever. Yeah, I love that, that that video is required. It is the yeah. most, like, what is wrong with people? Yeah. That, that has to be made. Yeah. Where you think, well, it's my first day. I want to be friendly to all the ladies here. So I'm just going to show them I like ladies. <laughs> Get a load of these knockers. Why did she react that way? Yeah. She looks like she she looked upset. I, it makes no sense. She it, has knockers. It was supposed to be a compliment. This photo's got knockers. Well, there's they've all got knockers. I asked her if she was going to Victoria's Secret on her lunch break. I'm just curious. I'm just was curious if she was going to buy panties. I was trying to relate to her to talk about her undies and her panties, <laughs> and she had to go make a big deal out of it. I told her not to move because I was enjoying the view, and she was changing the toner. You just try to make friends the first day. It's like the first day of school. You want to make a good impression and let them know you can relate to them. So tell me more. Do you, do you, are you like a thong lady? Or are you more like a pantyhose up on your legs lady? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm glad they didn't make us watch a video before we recorded this. <laughs> it's true. Maybe, maybe. It is creepy. No, it's just so funny, the stuff in those videos. I remember the first one I watched. That was literally it, was some woman like changing the toner and bending over. And she says, I'll be done in a minute. And the guy goes, take your time. I'm enjoying the view. <laughs> Which is just what you want to hear from your coworker. <laughs> yeah. You go, really? Oh, thank you. It's so nice to finally meet a gentleman <laughs> who enjoys looking at a female's body. Oh, man. So I looked. They referred to them as sunshine girls. They said, Joey, we've gotten a report that you have sunshine girls in your locker. So I Googled that's... sunshine girl. And, of course, the sun, that's the first thing that comes up is sunshine girls in the Toronto Sun. That's a newspaper. Oh, okay. That is journalism, So though. this is like the page four girl in, exactly. on the daily whatever in, in London. But that is just so weird to me that the newspaper where you're reading about terrorist attacks and the economy crashing and then... You look at uh, this week's Sunshine Girls, Candace. She likes to keep in shape by going to spin classes or hitting the hiking trails. Her favorite movie is her favorite movie is Legend, 
Nah, wait, well, wait. I don't know if I'm buying that. Wait, your favorite movies? Is there another movie called Legend besides the Tom Cruise one? Oh, maybe it's the. I think that a brand new one came out last year where, where uh, Mad Max, what's his name? Oh, that's the one. Yeah, where he's twin. Where he plays like twin gangsters, and that would make sense that her favorite movie came out. It's the last movie she saw. Yeah. Uh, her, her her dream car is a Range Rover, and her dream job would be to own a dog rescue, Sentra. 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 They spell things weird in Toronto. Yeah, they do. They really do. Yeah. Um, but that's just odd. That that's a, just a thing in the newspaper that we're okay with. It's to help you share your in interests. With, with, share your your interests with female employees at work. Yeah. At work. This oh, is yeah. strictly for that. You show your female coworkers like, oh, don't you also love Legend? Well, so does Candace. Get a load of Candace. She likes legend. You seen hey, you seen this week's hey, Sunshine yeah. Girl. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it's just very much a throwback to a era that should probably be bygone. Yeah, I think it's getting by- getting re- very soft core cheesecake in your newspaper. <laughs> Sarah performs at dance clubs, a perfect gig for someone who loves to dance. That was Thursdays. Okay. She's got a nose ring. Anyway, Sunshine Girls. Should we talk about Hitler? Why not? (laughs) I'm all over the place today. Alex wrote in, I'm wondering if you guys have ever seen the World War II era propaganda movie, Hitler, Dead or Alive. It's all on YouTube. He linked to it. It came out in 1942. Really? Yeah. Um Oh my goodness. I could not believe that this hasn't been on MST3K because it just feels like every one of those MST3K movies. Okay. So there's this weird rich guy. That's how we start. This weird rich guy in a leather apron just standing around in a random office wearing an apron. And, uh, and then these fedora guys come in all smoking cigars. Everyone's smoking. This movie's full of smoke and big fedoras. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, Steve, we're here to, to take you up on your offer. Oh, my offer of $1 million to anyone who can kill Hitler? Is, it, is this an American movie? Yeah, 1942. So before we were even in the war. Huh. And uh, so they're there like, oh, okay, we'll do it. So what about the dough? And he goes, oh, don't worry. The reward money will be deposited in the First National Bank. And they say, good enough for me. <laughs> uh, now, here's their qualifications. Look, mister, we know all the angles. That's our racket. That's why they're qualified to go kill Hitler. They know the, all the angles? That's their racket. They know That's all their the racket. Say no more. So the lawyer is going through the contract and reading their aliases. Like, okay, $1 million paid to Dutch, the book, and Big Nose Henny or something like that. <laughs> and and one, of the gang, one of these guys is, is talking about the contract. And the lawyer says, well, where did you study law? And he goes, Alcatraz, 11 years. <laughs> so these three dudes just got out of Alcatraz. The lawyer clarifies to them, when we say Hitler, we mean the real Hitler. <laughs> Not one of his doubles. And they go, hey, while we're over here, how much would it be worth to you if we knocked off Mussolini at the same time? <laughs> wow. Um, none yeah. of them speak German, but they used to run a beer racket in Milwaukee. That's good enough for me. Yeah. Send them over. Yeah. And then... The narration goes, they then went to Canada, where they became stars in the Royal Canadian Air Force. Once in Britain, they joined the British paratroopers. Wow. Can you do that? <laughs> Apparently. You can do a world tour of if different armies? If you're an ex-con, you just go to join these elite, <laughs> elite units. Wow, this changes everything. Yeah. 
so then they drop into their t- about 200 miles west of Berlin. So, so do you think, can you picture there's a guy who just got out of prison? He's like, I've been away 15 years. I don't have a, I don't have a high school diploma. And he's talking to his parole officer. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going to sleep. <laughs> and the parole officer is going to say, have you thought about the Royal Air Force? <laughs> yeah, of the Canadian Royal Air Force. <laughs> Well, you start there, and then you can become a paratrooper in the British Army. Right. In the Queen's Army. They, uh, they hijack a beer truck. They get stopped by a German officer who thinks it's weird <laughs> that they're there driving a beer truck. And they say, listen. So are they in Germany at this point? They're in Germany. Wow. And they tell the officer. These oh, guys have all the angles covered. They got all the angles covered because they say, look, if we were spies, would we dare be just walking around Germany? And he's like... Good point. It makes a good point. Yeah, you wouldn't just be walking around Let Germany. Let him through, Franz. Yeah. These guys are up to no good, or up to good. Yeah, well, all ge- good. This German general guy noticed. You know, there's there's something a bit strange about this. Okay, so he followed his his instincts. Yeah, and he he says, "Okay, guys, what's your mission?" And they say, "To obey the Fiera blindly and faithfully." <laughs> okay, checks out. Well, what base did you leave from? Alcatraz. <laughs> Do they say that? Do they say Alcatraz? Yeah. What base did you leave from? Alcatraz. So this movie... And that uh, worked, huh? Yeah. Wow. Um, Quentin Tarantino admitted that the inspiration for Inglorious, Inglorious Bastards came directly from this film. Wow. Sounds like it, actually. Yeah. Um, oh, goodness. Yeah, so they pose as musicians to, to get to Hitler. They cut his hair, shave off his mustache, and, uh, and then the SS... So- so the, so he, they're like they're like Nick Rivers in Top Secret, where they think he's a oh, spy. Yeah. yeah, and he sort of is. Yeah. Anyway, so they're in Hitler's office. They sh- they cut his hair and shave his mustache. Then the SS comes in, and it's like, all right, you guys, the jig's up. All of you out here to be shot, <laughs> all of them, because they don't recognize the Führer without his mustache. <laughs> Oh, man, can you imagine how much trouble you'd be in if you were a guard and you accidentally shot Hitler? Well, he has a great line. Uh, Hitler tries to make a break for it, and they shoot him. And he says, to think that Germany could produce a piece of filth like you. Wow. So pretty. It's irony or or whatever. Yeah, it's whatever that is. The guy playing Hitler is named Bobby Watson, Mm -hmm. um, who was just a regular actor. But then in 1942, when Hitler was getting famous, it was like, hey, you, you sure look like Hitler. Does he look like Hitler? Well, he just made a career out of playing Hitler after that. Really? Yeah, and he was in a lot of Hitler movies. How many Hitler movies are there? In the 40s, it turns out there were a lot of Hitler movies, such as The Devil with Hitler, this one, Hitler Dead or Alive, uh, Nasty Nuisance. Naz, oh, like a Nazi? Like yeah. Like Nasty Nuisance? Yeah. Yeah, old Bobby Watson. So thank you so much, Alex, for bringing that to our attention. You need to watch this. Okay, I will. Uh, everyone needs to watch it. It's on Netflix. And uh, I'm really, really surprised that they didn't MST3K that. Yeah, see, look at him. Look at him with his face all puffed up. <laughs> it's like, how dare you? It looks kind of like Hitler, I guess. Yeah. There's like a, there's a couple other actors like that that I've read about. There's a guy who has played Abe Lincoln... Like fifty-seven times. There is an actor that always plays Saddam Hussein. Yeah, that guy, and he's just a nice guy from Cleveland, right? And after Hot Shots, yeah, he spits out his drink and catches a missile. Yeah, <laughs> and it, he does look a lot like Saddam Hussein. Yeah. 
Uh, well, heck, I mean, we haven't been able to get out of the out of the Ferris wheel, so let's just keep going through some emails. Yeah, let's go into our mailbag. Pass the time until this martial law is over. Yeah. Now, where is o- only seventy one more hours? Gosh, I hope so. It's really, really getting out of hand. Um, so going back to this this long one from uh, not the same Alex, a different Alex, Alexandra. Uh, call us Diarrhea Faces. Let's get to that. She asked us about a bunch of stuff. Buffy was one of them. We addressed Buffy slightly. We addressed Buffy. Uh, so let's hit my random number generator. Number six. Is the movie Gladiator any good at all? On some level, I recognize that it's terrible, but I still like it. I've seen it a dozen times. And it always makes me cry. You know what? Don't answer that. I know it's awful, and I hate myself. Okay. Well, let's answer that. I love Ridley Scott. And so he's he's one of my favorite directors because he mainly because he made Alien and Blade Runner. Yeah. But he's a great director. And I when I first saw Gladiator, it was such a manly experience for me. Mm. It really got my like I don't know what you'd call him besides just manly feelings. Where you just you just are it's okay to cry because you're crying manly tears. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and he I, I I love Russell Crowe's performance in that. I I really love Gladiator. I don't know. Do people not like it? I thought it was. I thought everyone agreed it was a good movie. You won Best Picture, right? That's proof. Got tons of four star reviews. Um, I'm going to jump to a question Seth sent in. Seth F said, "When did you realize as a kid that movies can be terrible or disappointing?" For me, it was Ghostbusters two. Well, putting that aside, I love Ghostbusters two, but. I think he does have a point that there's a moment where you realize, you know, you're a kid. It's the movies. Uh-huh. Movies are great. But where you watch something that maybe you're real excited for for some dumb kid reason, and then you realize, oh, wait, I didn't I – ha- I'm having this bizarre feeling that I can't understand. I didn't like that movie. Hmm. So I don't know that Gladiator was that for me, but it was kind of a weird awakening. I was so excited for it. I l- really liked Russell Crowe at the time, even though he was still fairly new. Four-star reviews, all this stuff. I saw it on my birthday uh, with my family. And just even a few minutes into it, I thought, this isn't, this isn't working for me. Really? Yeah. What did you know? I like? haven't seen it since then, so that, I don't know when that came out. 1998, maybe? No. I 2000? Th- I think it's more like 2001-ish, yeah, maybe. But, uh, but it just didn't work for me. I don't know. I just, it just, I just didn't click. Hmm. There wasn't, there's nothing specific I can point to. I mean, the CGI tiger looked bad, but, you know, it's CGI. I didn't know it was CGI ago. at the time. I think I thought there was a tiger there. Even when he said, it's great. Yeah. You still I, thought that was a real I tiger. I thought they trained it really well. To wear a little blue bandana. Some, there's amazing trainers out there. That's true. That's a good point. They do all kinds of magical things. Um, that, so that's surprising. So you also don't like. I didn't care. Or for, no, you don't like it. She I, doesn't I, think it's good and likes it. I think it's good and love it. Yeah. So that's all three opinions. I just recently got uh, Dark Souls 2, and I spent probably two, at least two hours trying to make my character look like Russell Crowe from Gladiator. Oh, cool. And that was only like four or five months ago. Yeah. So I like it, I would say. Yeah. And I haven't seen it since then. Maybe I'd have a different opinion now. Um, I know Hans Zimmer had a good score for it. Uh, I just didn't like it. I remember Roger Ebert didn't like it, because I was watching that the next day. It used to be... I used to run in a circle where every Monday would discuss the Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel show. Roger Ebert. Because we were nerds like that. How do you feel about... you see Siskel and Ebert? All right. This is after Siskel had died, so he had some substitute host. 
And she loved it and was saying, I guarantee you that come Oscar time, this will win Best Picture. And, and, what, and, and Roger Ebert said, well, there should be a higher standard than that. Wow. Yeah. He, he's a weird, he was a weird uh, critic. He, he was way off the mark. On, I guess all critics are that way. Yeah. Way off the mark on some things and dead on on the others. He, he hated some movies that I think are just great. Yeah. He's a great writer, though, when you go read his archives. Is he? Yeah. I would spend all this time just reading his reviews to try to learn more about cinema. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, mm-hmm. e- even if I disagreed with it, it's like, why did this not work for him? And he articulates that really well. Okay. It's interesting, yeah. I'd, I've never really read him. It's really fun. I don't know if you can, still can. This was years ago. You could go to his website on Chicago Sun-Times, and you could search by rating. So I would try to read all his zero-star reviews. And I think that's actually a book now. Wow. Is all his zero-star reviews. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah, because they're really, really funny. Cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. But what about that? Did you, Was there a point where you realized movies can be disappointing? I think I was let down by Lawnmower Man, I would say. Mm. I, was a little, I was pretty early on. Uh, I think I was kind of let down by Demolition Man also. Even though I've grown to like that a lot more. Yeah. When I first saw it, I think I was a little let down. I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I have this, this way about me where the things I hate become the things I love, and the things I love I start hating. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and they blur together. Things that are bad or good. I, you know, I'm from the fifth dimension, so sometimes it's hard to, to know exactly how I feel. Yeah. I do remember being really young. There was some... Uh, what's his name? Robert Louis Stevenson, Treasure Island movie. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't Treasure Island, but it was something about a kid and pirates. And maybe I was 10 or 11, and I was way into anything genre-related and pirates. And I do remember seeing that movie and just thinking, like, well, that was nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a movie about pirates. It's going to be great. I don't know what it was called. Shipwrecked, maybe? Stranded? Island Boy? Oh, it was called Island Boy. Island Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nothing's ju- nothing offhand is really jumping into my brain yeah. that I really hated. Uh, let's jump over to Ryan. Uh, question number three: Dream job and why? That might be a whole show. I uh, dream whole job. Yeah. Now, let's limit this to maybe jobs that we could actually qualify for and get. I don't even know. Because like X wing pilot, I can't get that. I don't think Bikini Inspector is a real job. <laughs> uh, I can't even think of any d- dream job. I, I think about people's lives look fun. I yeah. Was, whose life was I just thinking about? Just It's, you know, you think about just Ben Affleck's life or something. It's probably yeah. pretty fun. It's like movie star, rock star. Going to, I, th- I think being George Clooney would be pretty good. Yeah. He's at a point in his career that he is respected as much as he is famous, you know, so he's like a movie star and a respected actor. He's a director yeah. and he's, he's kind of taken seriously on, on some kind of political matters, even a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, he goes on a road trip once a year with his, his boys every year, they drive across the U S and just party. And until recently he was the world's most eligible bachelor. Yeah. I'm, you know what? I'm going to just, I, I was going with George Clooney. I'm going to jump over to Leonardo DiCaprio. I want Leonardo DiCaprio's life. I think George Clooney is more well liked. I mean, everyone loves Leo, but I think there's still people that think he's kind of a punk ass. Well, I, I was going to say it would fit my personality more to be oh, more, that of, does more make of a more punk sense. ass. Yeah, because I'm much more. 
Uh, <laughs> not I would I'm much more of even. Um, who, who's the bad guy in the first Blade movie? I don't know. He's a uh, oh, Stephen Dorff. Oh, that would, that's <laughs> yeah. that's probably the type of celebrity I'd be. Just a little bit douchey. I would be in those e-cigarette commercials, <laughs> talking about my, how I want my freedom back to smoke my glowing blue electronic c- cigarette. <laughs> I would be in some commercials like I was still a relevant movie star. And the last movie, I, big movie I was in was The Bad Guy in Blade. So maybe a reality show with, cele- with fellow celebrities so, yeah. dancing with the stars. So my dream job at this point would be anything because I'm desperate for work. <laughs> I'm Steven Dorff. I'm, I'm, I'm pretending I'm rich, but like I'm, I'm literally been using the same e-cigarette cartridge for two months. And so that reality show where you have to, to gain 40 pounds in 40 days, that's my dream job right now. I don't care if it's only a $20,000 prize for winning i need that twenty thousand dollars bad yeah you know so that's what i'm going to say my dream job is to be on the reality show where i gain weight and soon like i'm smoking vapors here on my e-cigarette i'm down to the vapes i'm down to the just the vapors the batteries just holding on by dear life uh mine would probably be i'm not mine's not gonna be as entertaining i'd love to be a film editor specifically someone who puts together movie trailers so you I think, would enjoy that, and I would find it fulfilling. So in all your hubris, you think you could do a better job cutting together Gladiator, is what you're saying? Well, just two and a half minutes of Gladiator. Oh, just for, just for the trailer? Just the trailer, yeah. Just. Do you have a remember? A hero will rise. Do, do you? I think Gladiator. you got it. Do you know what I've heard? It, I, I saw a movie just recently, and, and it was every preview had... That's a big one, yeah. That comes from those Transformers movies. Is that what it's from? I think, but no, that's in everything. It was in every single preview. Yeah, And there would be a point where they're, they're trying to tell you a little bit about the movie, and then when they really lay it on you, the big reveal. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Don't, I don't know what noise that is. Yeah, no, I'm a big film in- trailer enthusiast. Incep- Inception made a really... Are, are you interested in, in, in trailers that make huge... Like they are the Academy Award winning trailers, you know, the ones that really change the way things are. Like you think about Inception. Inception yeah. is the first time they had that. Yeah. And now that's everything. Yeah. And you didn't know it was, there wasn't any dialogue in Inception either. It was just these scenes of like the a city hotel. bending. And yeah. And you didn't, and Christopher Nolan's so secretive, you didn't know what it was about. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a winning trailer. That's an effective trailer. Yeah. The, the, the one that springs to mind is probably the most influential in the last 20 years would be the Matrix trailer. Yeah. I remember, I, was, I think it was, I was watching the Super Bowl. It was the Super Bowl. The first time I saw that Matrix trailer. And, and everyone's all hyped for Phantom Menace. Right. And the first time I saw Keanu Reeves bend backwards in a circle and the bullets doing their little trail. Yeah. I, was, I had chills. What if I told you there was a world beyond? Yeah. I was like, what is this movie? Yeah. That was a big one. So does that interest you, the, the, the ones that become kind of the landmark trailers? Yeah, just that. I mean, it, it would be easy to just take any movie and be like, Luke Skywalker has a problem. <laughs> His dad is the most ruthless despot in the whole galaxy. I just want to go get some power converters. Oh, come on. But with the help of his new friends. <laughs> Hi, it's me, the robot. <laughs> And a kiss for good luck. 
Are you coming? He's to- going to save the day. <laughs> I was going to try to do some girl that's yeah. like, you come into the homecoming dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 and their wacky neighbor. What's going on over there? I'm not. I've saw. I've seen him going back and forth in his floating car. I've seen him talking to them Jawas. He was like, he got that golden robot guy over there, that, that weird golden butler. That was a big one. Maybe it was right when YouTube came in, or even before YouTube. Is people st- and you know when like video editing software started to become available to normal people mm-hmm. only a, a few years ago, they started cutting up. Movie trailers into different genres. Yeah, I love that. So they that. make The Shining look like a father son. And that was the big. That the, was like the, the first, first one. big one was Shining. Yeah, Jack Nicholson, The Shining. That, that was a great one. Yeah, there were a lot of those. There, those are really fun. There, I should just do this as a hobby. You should. There, there was the one I really enjoyed was the the person that cut together all the Back to the Future trailers. To make it look like Marty and Doc are lovers. Oh, it was Broke Back to the Future. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got a big kick out of that. Yeah. It's pretty well done. Yeah. And then making you know, innocent movies look like horror movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fun. I'm going to watch some of those tonight. So if you were editing together a trailer right now, yeah. what, what would you do? Would you, do you think it's from above? Do you think it's from the studio saying, you have to add this sound effect, you have to have the inception noise? I'm sure that's a big part of it, yeah. Or maybe they don't even know it's going to be on there until they watch it themselves. Yeah, They're in the theater and they're like, honey, you're going to love this trailer. I really did some innovative stuff. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's just like, I bet it is. I've read articles about trailer uh, companies and that try to be innovative and stuff, but I bet most of it is just the studio guy. Mm Mm-hmm. You, know, you didn't even show the big robot fight. It's probably so frustrating. It's yeah. probably like being a web designer, graphic designer. Yeah. Just where you have you have to come back, show your, your trailer to the client, and you're like, oh, God. Yeah. Maybe let's go. Let's try it the first way. <laughs> I know. I, I don't, didn't know this took you 99 hours to do, but let, let's switch back to the first one yeah. you were doing. Yeah. You're like, well, that's... Just, well, I just feel like it really builds up. You don't know that it's, that it's Russell Crowe until the very end when he turns around, and then you realize it's... No, but Russell's a big star. Show no. him right up. Show him the show whole him right, right up front. And then you got to kind of make it funny. Throw a little fart in there. Like he squeezed out a fart. <laughs> and you're like, well, he's, he is a, a Holocaust lawyer. <laughs> like, no, just come on. Have him squeeze out a little bit of a fart right there in the court. It'll, it'll crack a few laughs in the theater. I tell you what. Make it sound like this. Boom. <laughs> See, he's about to give. Talk to the jury. He turns around. He drops a big one. <laughs> Boom! Right there. Then you throw in that. That you got. You got the crowd eating out of the palm of your hand. They're thinking, "Where's this farting lawyer going next? Is he gonna get justice? Is he gonna fight a robot? That could be a robot. (laughs) Throw a robot in there. (laughs) Just. just (laughs) Yeah. I don't. So you would have. It would be a miserable job. You think it's a dream job, but you would commit suicide in, in 90 days. Yeah. Just because you had lost all artistic vision, you feel like you're just just a piece of meat. You're just yeah. a whore for, yeah. the, for the industry. Staring at a computer monitor for 16 hours a day. Yeah, you might as well have no personality. You're just editing together, and then you're, you're making art not only that you're, you're not happy with, but you think is terrible. Yeah, for so, movies that are dumb. For movies that are awful that you, you hate. Yeah, okay. Well, my backup it's dream not, job is, is Mailman. Not, like like Carmelone? Yeah, I want to be a <laughs> slam dunk man. Slam dunker. 
<laughs> Slam Dunksman. Slam Dunksman. No, I think Mailman would be a great job. You're just kind of walking around the neighborhood. Our Mailman seems pretty chilling. happy. Yeah. You are out in the sunshine. You're getting a lot of exercise. Yeah. It's probably not that bad. Yeah, you can probably listen to headphones. I don't know. I, no, they do. They listen yeah. to headphones all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that seems great. That's probably not bad. Yeah. Um, let's get through some of these letters. Tom Staten. Well, hello up there in the Ferris wheel, you guys. Uh, first of all, thanks for the recommendation on Judge Lezerby's vinegar. When I'm feeling really well and I want to enter a deep, dark, depressed state, I'll just dial on a whole bottle and it gets the job done. Yeah, it gets that pep out of you. Just yeah. Completely. Depending on the dosage. Yeah. Um, secondly, I'd like to nominate myself as the app correspondent, since you two have passed the cusp of being able to comprehend technology and turned into blabbering old people. So a year from now, when Sean catches wind of the second time face swapping came around, I'll be available to advise you. Uh, I wear that as a badge of pride, man. The fact yeah. I'm not really aware of face swapping apps, <laughs> yeah, that may not seem cool to you. It's pretty cool to me. Um, his J. Joe code name would be Core Appspondent. Core Appspondent? Yeah, this guy? Correspondent, Core Appspondent. What is he going to be doing? Explaining what apps are to us? He's going to be explaining what apps are to us, yeah. Okay. Or setting up our phones. Okay, fine. And there's got to be someone in the GOA Joe squad who does that. For, you know, General Hawk's getting up in years. And it's like, oh, well, your GPS isn't. Well, I can't figure the damn thing out ever since the software update. All right. Well, let's, let's have him really pass a test then. If you're so smart, explain Bitcoin to us in, in three sentences. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. Right now, I understand how it works. I don't understand how they're generated. That's my problem. Yeah. I get what Bitcoin is, but I don't know how you mine for Bitcoin. What does that mean? Well, there's something to do with a math equation, too. Yeah. It's like you're doing some kind of big math equation that's making little... And when I think of Bitcoin, I still think of the little coins in Mario Brothers. That's exactly what I think of. I think of a little 8-bit coin. Mm-hmm. So... So how do you how do you make that? So I just picture someone making tiny pieces of this of this Mario coin. <laughs> yeah, pixels. Uh, he says he's probably never going to listen to the show again because hearing his email read would be too weird and awkward. Fine. So uh, thanks, Tom. He does. He also says um, to let Sean Leslie and Jonas know that they're missed. Well, Sean Leslie is on all new Wednesday Warriors, so check that out. If you want more in depth comic book reviews. And speaking of missed, Jonas, a little bit MIA. We got a weird message from him. It was kind of a, a, a beeping that turned out to be some kind of Morse code. Yeah, but we don't speak Morse code. Yeah, he's, so I wrote it down, and we haven't translated it yet. But he is adventuring somewhere in the world. He says he's deep in the Soviet Union, which is a confusing message to get. For a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. Um, Jason, whose avatar is Cobra Commander, says, You have to do an episode on the animated G.I. Joe movie. So okay. we, we sort of mentioned that we might do that. We already had that idea. Yeah. But no, but he's just <laughs> confirming, like, please. This must be done. Yeah, please do this. So fine, we'll, we'll let's definitely do it. Have fine. Do I'm in a fine mood. Yeah. Fine. We'll watch it. Uh, Jay Ryan writes in, greetings, champs. How's the weather top the Ferris wheel? It's fine. It's pretty nice, actually. I was listening to the most recent episode. While I agree with Brighton that the eyeball mouth switching app is annoying, his disgust made me think of this. What do you think of the new Hellraiser movie coming out? They've already released some info on the new Cenobites, and they're the freakiest sounding yet, in my opinion. That is a good point. It's Describe very, them. Uh, very Clive Barkery Do you to know have them? these eyeball mouths. Uh, no, I clicked on his link. Um, okay, there's some ladies that don't have skin on their faces. Oh, there's a picture? Yeah, unless that's an old one. Maybe I, I didn't read the article. I should have read this article That in might advance. be a band. That might be the Donnas or something. Oh, they're called The Jury. Okay. 
one of the three jury who are naked, perfectly beautiful girls with faces that have been shredded away. And they and they all hang out together, or yeah. what? Well, They're going to be in this movie? Yeah. All right, and then who else? Pinhead, of course. Uh, the Cleaner, a terrifying, aging, naked woman who, cle- who cleans bodies for punishment by licking them head to toe. Oh, my God. That's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, the Chatterer's in it. The Chatterer's that big know, teeth yeah, guy, right? I know the Chatterer. Boy, these things are so freaky. I, I don't, would I don't say... really like those movies, but the designs on these are just like so much. It feels like they were yanked out of the pits of hell like they're supposed to. It's true, and it's I, maybe the scariest things ever. And the, the, the uh, as a kid, it was horrifying to me that they they did things that caused themselves pain. You know, yeah, they have these weird. And and as a in high school, I lo- Hellraiser two, I loved. I was way into that movie. I loved it, and I remember seeing Hellraiser three in the theater, and it was right when CDs were getting big, right? So they decided, do you know what's big? CDs. Let's have a Cenobite be a CD guy. So they have one of the guys, and it, okay, you want to talk about it the first time I was super disappointed? Here we go. Okay. Hellraiser 3. So one of the, so I loved Hellraiser. I loved Hellraiser 2 especially. I saw Hellraiser 3 opening day, and one of the stupid Cenobites is a CD guy who shoots like, I can't remember if they come out of his mouth and he spits CDs that are like, but of course these CDs are like, like razor blades or something. Yeah. Like if someone shot a CD at you, it would just like hit you on the forehead and you'd go, oh, ow, god damn it, that hurt. <laughs> but this would like cut your entire top of your head off, right? So I can't remember if he's throwing the CDs or shooting them out of his mouth, but I thought that was a really stupid, that's when I was like, oh, it just really destroyed my, my Clive Barker love, you know. Yeah. So t- is tell that me the, Is that the one where... It shows how Pinhead became Pinhead. He like messes with a puzzle box. He's maybe a World War One soldier. It kind of shows it in all of them, but I think it might have a big subplot about. I can't remember really, to be honest. I just remember it was stupid, and then su- suddenly the Cenobites just came at like the first half is just discovering the Hellraiser stuff, and then the second half was just them walking around the town, throwing CDs at buildings, and the CD would blow or the building would blow up. <laughs> yeah, it was like the Cenobites were just wrecking the city. Yeah. Um, that's about it. There's, we know that uh, John Gulliger is playing a character called the Auditor. I jo- just John Gulliger's an interesting guy. There used to be a show called Project Greenlight, mm-hmm. where they would. It was Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, and they'd produce an indie film. Oh, okay, yeah. And this guy was in one of those seasons, and the movie. Of course, all the movies they made from this were utterly terrible. This is like I terrible. love. I love when Coca Cola does this contest. No one's heard about till it's already done. Oh, where yeah. they look for a filmmaker, and then they yeah. show the filmmaker's movie, yeah, and it's just garbage. Yeah, it's just it happens all the time. It's this Coca Cola film, like series. a Super Bowl, like the winner of the 2016 yeah. Coca Cola film series, and it's just garbage. Yeah, and so is is this the what we're looking at? That sort of thing. Yes, yeah, Project Greenlight, but it was really compelling because they would that have like three finalists pitch their film, mm-hmm. and then these producers would agree to do it, and you'd go through like every aspect of filmmaking. So you're starting with casting and then the production and, they have, and all that. Like, they have to learn to do all of that? Well, they know how. They're like people who know how to sort Oh, they're like film school guys? Yeah, I mean, they don't know how to make movies because then they start doing it. And then what I love are these smug film school guys. When a producer who's like this badass Miramax producer who's made 50 movies mm-hmm. is like, nah, that doesn't work. You can't do it that way. You just can't. And these film school guys are like, but, uh, well, actually, I, I think you're wrong. Uh, my vision... To be a film director, I used to think I want to be a film director, but you have to be an idiot. You have to be so convinced. And stubborn. Yeah, and sometimes that works. But you, well, you only hear about the times it works. Like, 
Oh, I insisted on opening up with Rosebud, mm-hmm. with my mouth saying Rosebud, and the studio didn't want that, but right. I won. But then just seeing these morons not listening to Sage Wisdom from Sonar's Experience, it's really frustrating, but it's a good show. So that's the guy directing this anyway, Hellraiser movie? No, he's in it. He's in it personally. Yeah. He's one of the monster guys? Yeah. But he was interesting because he was a we- just a weird little guy making huh. this movie. He seems really nice, but... I started... Last fall, I started reading the the most recent Clyde Barker book, actually. And it and Pinhead is the main character. It's really gross. It's a lot of, like, tearing out your, your like, insides with hooks and chains and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's what you'd expect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so real quick, uh, the bit about G.I. Joe's representing different aspects of cultural periods really got me thinking. So here's a Joe to hit a niche that I don't think was covered so far. Name is codename Drop D, occupation, sonic weapons expert oh. slash grunge singer, songwriter, rocker. Okay. Now I think G.I. Joe died out before the grunge era, but this would have been there. A Cobra looking to expand its toxic waste and melancholy supporting operations set up shop in an abandoned warehouse in downtown Seattle, just down the street from a little-known coffee shop called Starbucks. Mm. However, the space Cobra was looking to move into was already occupied by homeless 20-somethings, so Cobra Commander hastily put together a three-piece band called Snakebite to hypnotize the homeless and use them as fodder against the Joes. When the Joes arrive, they can't get past the homeless brainwashed masses and seek out Drop D the best coffee shop open mic guitarist around. Using Drop D's off-time recordings on cassette, the Joes are able to reverse the brainwashing and push Cobra out of Seattle. Then everyone gets a coffee. Yo, Joe. Oh, that's, that, was, that was a full episode right there. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Um, I'm going to green light that. Yeah, absolutely. That is from Ryan, who does his own podcast called The Right Idea Workshop. That is about uh, writing. If you're a writer, check that out. It's interesting. Um... I think I think we got to go because I'm too hungry. Yeah, I'm getting weak. I can't remember the ending of, of Empire Strikes Back. Like, I don't know who plays Harry Potter anymore. I'm so starving. I'm so starving. I'm. When you're done with that turkey leg, I, I want the bone. Done trying to wedge the window open to get a little a little air in here. Yeah. Yeah. This bone's not as strong as it looks. We might have to eat it. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. All right, 72 hours. Remember, don't leave your house unless you're delivering molasses or cornmeal. Good night.